All right, I am at the Red House with Zach Brewer, the founder and owner and, I guess, operator of Key City Sessions. Yes, afternoon. Afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. How, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm, uh, uh, I'm doing good. Um, I've, got, I've had this weekend off, which mm-hmm. I've actually quite enjoyed. I've had a little more time to do some things, to get outdoors, mm-hmm. to hang with her. It's been a fun time. Oh, good, good. I know being an artist can be hectic and busy. I've uh, had some pals try to, you know, slow things down at times. You know, mm-hmm. I know it can be a lot, I'm sure. So let's dive in talking about Key City Sessions. Uh, where did, well, why don't we first, why don't we first tell people exactly what that is? So Key City Sessions is a uh, house concert series uh, that I started back in uh, July of 2019. Um, and it, it was originally a condo series, I guess. I uh, started it at Key City Condos. Uh, I had an apartment I shared with my brother there. It used to be part of uh, Key City uh, Furniture, which is an old, uh, f- now obsolete furniture factory in uh, Wilkes County. And uh, they had a renovated um, warehouse or factory and so they s- changed it into these like really cool uh, spots and so started there and then uh, understandably my HOA uh, said you know maybe don't do shows anymore mm. <laughs> in your apartment and they were real nice about it um, and uh, let me do my last show and then I just wanted to keep doing it so I found a good home uh, in downtown Wilkesboro and in between that period, uh, a couple really nice uh, ladies I knew let me do a couple shows at their homes. Mm. So it was a nice community effort until I got <laughs> finally established. Yeah, <laughs> I love house concerts. I love the uh, I love the vibe of house concerts. The I guess it's become a bit of a tradition nowadays mm-hmm. to to like. There's a big network of house concerts out there. Uh, what? What was it about that? I get. What was it about that that made you want to get those going? And then what? What kept you doing them? That's a really good question. Um, I'll try to keep it brief, I guess. Um, so my parents um, run uh, the Carolina Bible Camp Bluegrass Festival out of Moxville, North Carolina, and uh, they book uh, artists uh, for it to raise money for Carolina Bible Camp. Mm. It's a nice, uh, great recreational uh, facility for uh, teens and kids, you know, growing up in Christian faith and stuff. And um, my dad started that about 11, 12 years ago. And uh, it kind of gave me more of a purpose to going to shows, not just for enjoyment, but to scope out artists who could potentially play for that. And then, uh, so I enjoyed, uh, and still enjoy being able to tell my parents, Hey, this is someone you should look into. And, um, so that kind of piqued some interest there. And then finally, uh, I, uh, contacted a a local coffee shop, Tali Espresso in downtown North Wilkesboro. Uh, I, one of my grandparents had passed, um, this was maybe 20, yeah, 2019. And, um, uh, there was a band I liked, Sweet Sweet, out of Myrtle Beach, uh, who was in Winston doing a show. And I talked to them. I said, hey, would you all uh, be interested maybe in doing a show? Uh, maybe might cheer up my mom. And so they agreed. They came out to Talia Espresso and uh, had an awesome show, indie folk music. And um, 
from there, I spoke to one of the owners, Kathy Kozak, and we started a year-long uh, music series called Sounds and Grounds. Mm. Uh, we did a show once a month um, in 2019 at their spot in downtown North Wilkesboro. And she and her husband, Jim, were super nice and giving me pretty much free reign of uh, who to choose to come, uh, which was, and that was a really great start. And so halfway through that year, um, I really wanted to start doing my own thing at my own spot and uh, had um, Alyssa Hankey uh, from Pennsylvania uh, come down. Uh, she was on tour and hadn't been able to find a North Carolina spot, I think. And so uh, ended up being my apartment. So Very nice. it's pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, kind of the condensed story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so given what you described with your parents and that going on, it was, is music kind of always been something that has been around that that you've been around throughout your life uh yeah I would say so um I mean growing up in Wilkes County you know we have Merle Fest and so I would go to that uh as a kid and still go um my dad and I uh with our law firm we sponsor like the autograph tin and my grandparents had um been a part in uh preserving one of the Merle Fest stages and, um, you know, it's just always been a thing to go to Merle Fest as part of like a family tradition, uh, to some degree. And my uncle, great uncle, uh, now passed away, T.R. Bryan. He, um, was big into bluegrass, love, love the Kruger brothers. And, and so bluegrass has been a thing, mm. you know, down in the foothills, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. That's pretty cool. So, so you so you practice law? Yes, yeah. That's your other job. That's your other thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's the main thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not house concerts. That's that's the fun thing. Yeah. yeah. What's law like? <laughs> um it it can be stressful uh juggling all the different things you have to do uh because there's always going to be something you could do. Um I mean after this I'm probably going to maybe catch some jazz music in Winston, go to a coffee shop and work on a custody case, you know? Um, but you know, it's great to be able to, uh, help people even in like a small way, you know, when it comes to, you know, custody and, uh, I'd also do criminal defense work, but just, you know, helping, uh, people's lives in that, that small aspect. And, um, but man, it can be stressful <laughs> for sure. And that's, that's why music is important to relieve some of that. You that's know? exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Cause yeah, I mean, uh, obviously music is whatever. It sounds like you, you get enjoyment out of that and some fulfillment in a totally different way. But, um, yeah, law seems just like one of them very, it's like a whole different thing, I guess. It just seems like a, the kind of demand, mental, the mental demand that is that there is for law seems different than a lot of other professions. There, I think a lot of it sometimes has to do with um, just the sheer volume <laughs> of things, just so many cases. Um, but and yes, yeah, stress, uh, knowing if you have like a, a hearing coming up uh, uh, to some degree, the weight of that, but. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like that. If you have a really important concert, I don't know. Mm. Uh, is is it stressful if you know you have like a big show? Uh, yeah, to prepare for it is. But I think it's something like 
a lot of it is like more so uh, like once everything, once this, once, once the circumstances are kind of set, once the stage is set the way it's supposed to mm -hmm. be, I think then the, the pressure is sort of just on performance mm -hmm. and you can kind of mentally, you can be pretty ready for that to go your way mm -hmm. if you want it to. Uh, the only, the only unpredictable feature, I guess, is the audience and how that's going to work or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess what's so interesting about law is like there it's kind of a competition of two possibilities or something, right? Um well, yes, yeah. Um with criminal, you know, either you're convicted or you're not. Yeah. Um and then when it comes to civil matters, you know, like custody, you know, it's not always, you know, does someone keep their kids or not? Sometimes it's, you know, uh, does the best result uh, happen mm -hmm. uh, or not? Uh, um, yeah, and a lot of negotiations in in both realms, you know, to try and get the the best uh, thing uh, given the circumstances. Yeah. Whew. Well, so I guess so. I don't go too far into my curiosity about law, which we might come back around to. But sure. yeah, with Key City, uh, how long have you been doing this? Um. So. Gosh, I mean, now man, it's been like four, yeah, four years. So July 2019, uh, just made that four-year mark. But then again, you know, there's like somewhat of a small gap in 2020, oddly enough. Even though so many things were shut down, um, I was still allowed to abide by social distancing mm. recommendations. And so in July, I did have to have, um, I know my first show in 2020 was February before everything shut down. And then my next one was in July when it semi opened up, did an outside show at a, a very historic home in downtown Wilkesboro owned by Ann Graves. She's a real sweet lady. Uh, let me have uh, Casey Noel out uh, mm -hmm. and Mason uh, via or Vi. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he accompanied her on guitar, and uh, Alora Dash and her uh, fiance opened up. So it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Poolside concert uh, <laughs> mid pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that sounds yeah. pretty nice. Uh, what are is it? What was I thinking? Oh, what uh, do you have a particular sh show of the many that you've done? Do you have a particular show that stands out as? sort of a good example of what you're trying to do or big or big moments, you know, for you? Oh, man, that there's just different ones because even if you have like a big crowd, you know, or, or decent size, I guess for house shows for me, you know, I think a good crowd for me is like 20 to 30. That's pretty sweet, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but I'd say the best crowd, um, really cool experience. I had Charles Walker. I don't know if you're familiar with him. No. Um, he, he had a cool following in the Boone College scene when he was up there, when house shows were more prominent. And they're still doing house shows up there. Um, but he, uh, I first saw him maybe either at Boone Saloon or at the house venue, um, The Burrow. Uh, that was a cool little spot. Um, and he, uh, I helped support him on his uh, album and so in exchange for that he agreed to come do a house show with the band mm. and man it was like almost like a house like a house show house party show and there were like people who flew in from texas because it was his last show before going to nashville it was so neat so neat and um my first hip-hop show 
uh, with Free the Optimist, uh, Mike Live, um, C. Shreve, and their uh, DJ who does original scratch style, DJ Jet. That was such an awesome experience in May of 2021. Um, and then I recently had Kells. Uh, she's an up-and-coming R&B soul artist, jazz out of Atlanta. She's mo- closest voice to Amy Winehouse. Mm. I've heard since Amy Winehouse is passing and I really hope she makes it uh, shout out to Kells Kells you're gonna go somewhere I believe in you <laughs> so <laughs> yes those are three that and I mean all of them have been cool I appreciate all the artists who come They're they're good people so yeah I might ask some pretty broad questions uh, the first of which if I haven't already what is it that you like about music ooh Ooh, very broad. Yes. Um, I mean, it makes you, uh, there are different genres and different, uh, I guess, sounds uh, for uh, different feelings, what you're going through. Um, I mean, I just went to like a electronic show last night. Um, my ears hurt and I uh, saw Yellow Claw like my favorite electronic group of all time and uh, I was bumping their music before coming here but then sometimes you know you might feel kind of more relaxed and chill and I don't know sometimes even sad and thinking about life and you might want to listen to I don't know Sierra Farrell if you're contemplating things mm. or or your music you have great um, uh, good folk uh toned down vibes uh, for that. thinking about life storytelling mm-hmm. which which i'm excited for our show uh, i don't know if this is a good segue <laughs> or not um i'm excited for september 1st because that'll be the second ever uh three build act i've had um i know presley layton is gonna open does good soulful country voice and then uh ken welvern he's our local uh uh, one of our newspaper guys for the Wolks record, he's going to do some uh, mid-show storytelling to mm. open up for you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I thought it would pair well because your your songs are sometimes kind of like storytelling. Yeah. You know, is that what you strive for in your stuff? It's something that I might be. I'm, I'm not fully aware of all the time, but it is. Uh, I notice a difference, I guess, in songs that come from that voice as opposed to those that just kind of describe or something uh i i do i love storytelling i love movies uh i love songs that tell stories and i tap into that sometimes but i i guess my view of songwriting is like it's it's weird it's like um i don't set out for a certain thing necessarily going into the song so mm-hmm. i guess that's the sort i don't know if that's a caveat or not i guess that's sort of the 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 difference is like, I don't, I'm not, while I'm in the writing process, I'm not thinking about, oh, I need to write this story that mm-hmm. wraps up with this conclusion mm-hmm. or that has this arc or anything like that. It's kind of more, it's uh, it's more, it's more distant than that. But I do think that sometimes they are put together in a way that mm-hmm. feels very much like a, like a story or a fairy tale or a folklore or something. Yeah. 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 That's. Yeah, I can't remember what song it was, um, what the title of it was, uh, but I think you say in the lyrics, I'm not ready to go home. Mm. Um, and I remember you performing it at uh, the Gas Hill uh, one night, and you you could have heard like a pin drop in the crowd, and mm. so it was pretty, it was pretty yes. sweet. Yes, that's actually one of the songs I was thinking about when I was kind of 
describing that difference. That mm-hmm. I think is a uh, cussing at a neon sign. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, that's uh, a good one. That one's interesting to me when it comes to like thinking of it in terms of a story because it's like it's not exactly chronological. It doesn't really make it's not like it follows a certain narrative line. It's just this visual sort of thing that happens with these with these bookend things. Um I wrote that song about my grandmother's passing and you know, I just kind of inserted a bunch of little details and curiosities about her into what mm-hmm. feels like the choruses. Oh, okay. And otherwise it was just sort of like I wish you like I I kind of tried to paint a scene mm-hmm. of two people at a bar and one of them is about to leave and the other one is saying I wish you ah you should stay and like tell stories and we can like talk about life like i wish you didn't have to leave you know i wish we could keep on partying mm-hmm. which was kind of i guess the way i felt about her mm-hmm. her passing um yeah storytelling is important mm-hmm. <laughs> stories are interesting um how do you feel about movies D- movies are great i go to the <laughs> movie theater um do you have a favorite movie of all time Oh gosh, uh, you know this might sound lame, uh, but just a a good dumb comedy, uh, just friends with Ryan Reynolds, uh, and uh, gosh, what's her name? Amy, I think Anna Harris, maybe. I can't remember the other two actresses' names. Um, Where he goes home for the holidays? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's always been a favorite. Yeah, that is a good one. Yes. What are your take on movies? <laughs> Do you have a favorite? Uh, and, and has it influenced your uh, songwriting in any way? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think my current favorite movie is Her. Have you seen Her? No, uh-uh, not yet. I, I find myself really loving movies that deal with like uh, with love and technology. I guess sort of like modern and this undeniable thing about us that makes us human. Mm-hmm. There, there's some, or, or like I should say technology and humanity. I like that combination. And I I like a lot of movies that have that conflict in them. And I think her is one of those. It is often laughed at because it's, it's summarized as like, Oh, that movie where Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with a computer or something like that. But yeah, it's like, there's not like deals with operating systems becoming more like people. And he's, he he's like, has a relationship with this operating system and it's, but it's visually so fucking beautiful and so, and like the story that's told is just very i would say important and i don't think that movies necessarily influence my songwriting but i think they sometimes influence my sensitivity to aesthetics or something mm-hmm. like when i hear phoebe bridgers music to me it sounds like what her looks like oh, okay there's some kind of yeah. modern beauty yeah. to it that i don't I don't always know how mm-hmm. to create mm-hmm. or something like that. What? I s- seem like you're, of course, you know, your grandmother, I guess y'all were pretty close and she influenced your song right in that one song, at least. Did, do you have any, uh, has, has your family, uh, been an important part of like, you know, your songwriting or maybe crafting, uh, who you are as a musician? Mm, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my relationship with music started definitely with just familial dynamics. Mm -hmm. 
uh, sounds like maybe like yours did. Mm-hmm. Um, so my dad was a drummer in the church that I attended as a kid, mm-hmm. and that was kind of an important piece of the introduction. And the choir, like I always paid attention to mm-hmm. the choir, and my mom sang in the choir sometimes, and I paid attention to that. And I think early on, I felt as though I was like kind of able to participate in music, and I would like I'd play drums, I would I'd hit things with drumsticks, mm-hmm. I should say, like all over the house, and. Uh, so, so there was that there and there was my grandmother had a piano in the house and mm-hmm. th- there was just an appreciation for music mm-hmm. throughout the family. But more importantly, I think there was like a family culture, like a dynamic of Southern people who just hung out with their family. Like that was our life mm-hmm. was hanging out together and my grandfather keeping a garden and, my, you know, I basically inherited sort of a lot of the the way that I'm like the the sensitivity I have for certain forms of beauty. I think mm-hmm. I inherited from family like antiques for example. You know, I guess not everybody likes a rustic mm-hmm. antique or whatever, yeah, but yeah. we just had those around and in my world that was like a form of beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh and that definitely I think seeped in to my whole relationship with music and why I make it and stuff mm-hmm. is just like almost this, yeah, like a nostalgia factor, a, <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's chowing down a nostalgia factor, a love for the rustic, mm-hmm. but also, um, yeah, like this deep emotional bond that you can have with other people. Mm-hmm. I think it's all, it's all family based. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. It's, it's a kind of uh oh gosh what word am i trying to use like a common denominator for a lot of people i feel like you know uh it spans uh cultures and generations and uh you know you could walk into maybe like any music but you go to the ramcat you know on a weekend or something and there could be just people from all uh socio-political backgrounds or whatever all in one room because they just like the same thing mm-hmm. you know and that's one thing uh, i do enjoy about um you know house shows or, or just other shows you know it's like everyone's all under one roof you know just chilling <laughs> yeah you know so is uh, that a part of like when it comes to curating music is that something that you're able to just is that something you're able to curate easily those kind of experiences? Um, honestly, I feel like it. Um, because I'll have people, I mean, one of the, uh, Ken Welburn is going to do storytelling at the, uh, um, owner of the record paper. I mentioned, uh, he said to me before, uh, you know, Zach, I, I love your shows. You just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> and, uh, I tried to do his voice. Yeah, he, he's an amazing storyteller, hilarious guy. Uh, but you know, that, that's how I like it. You know, I try to switch up genres and I try to do that in an effort, um, to not, you know, keep things the same. Uh, but also, you know, I like to try and reach out to artists who, um, produce music that might be more associated with other communities. And so, um, that's important to me, Mm. uh, to try and bring, um, other people out. Um, 
because I know being in like, you know, the foothills, Appalachia, you know, we have a rich history of like bluegrass, Appalachian and folk music, which is great. I think that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. And I love supporting it. And I, you know, I always like to have uh, folk and bluegrass, et cetera. But I think it's important to also cater to uh, other people's interests um, yeah. to get others out, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So the 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 other artist you were telling me about will be the third artist on the act. Oh yeah, Presley Layton. You want to talk about Presley at all? You want to mention? Yeah, she um, she's really cool. Um, I knew nothing about her until I went to a uh, open mic at Appalachian Mountain Brewing, mm-hmm. and I've realized open mics are you know great ways to kind of scope out people you might not otherwise know about. Um, and I just noticed, you know, her, she had a good kind of soulfulish country voice, you know, not the mainstream sort of contemporary uh, corporate country, you know, that uh, is on the airwaves constantly. She uh, had that more soulful voice. And I thought, you know, man, she would be cool to reach out to, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, she she was very excited to to do it. She said, you know, this is the first show I'm going to uh, be opening up for someone for, so... Uh, I thought it would pair well since y'all's genres within Roots music are different. Yeah. So, so yeah, she's cool. I'll be happy to introduce y'all. Yeah, that'd uh, be awesome. On that day, yeah. So, I think this is a this is what I this is what I'm trying to I'm trying to formulate the question I have in my head, which mm-hmm. is something like, so when we think about versatility and diversity among uh, sort of like something like with Key City, like this eclectic mix of people that you're able to experience over time in this space there's some like what do you think is what you enjoy or what you think is valuable about sort of the experience of multiple cultures and perspectives and just difference what is the what is valuable about experiencing difference through music um one of the first things that comes to mind is being able to see something or hear something you might not otherwise hear or see. Um, I think uh, one example that I've thought of recently on along those lines is um, the Ramcat has made, I think, a concerted, ha, dad joke, concerted <laughs> effort to um, get uh, African artists there because, like... Um, there were three different groups um, that did uh, like the style of rock. Um, I, I can't recall what country, but they're uh, from the same general. It might be Mali, I think, if I'm correct. Um, like Tina Rewin or Tinarwin. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I was there for that show. It was sick. It was amazing. And they got two groups afterwards in that same kind of subgenre. Um, and they had a Cora player, I think is how you pronounce the instrument, uh, she came out. And it was just really neat that they made an effort to bring that to Winston-Salem, you know, because I don't know where I'm going to see that, you know. And there's some other venues, of course, who have gotten uh, those bands. I know Cat's Cradle did. And so, you know, when it comes to like a smaller community like Wilkes, you know, it's important for me to bring... Uh, soul or R&B, you know, that might not be as prominent. Um, and uh, Bolero music uh, from Maritzaida out of Greensboro. Uh, she and her husband and uh, 
Greg Slopuk came out. It was it was awesome. Mm. Uh, so it's just important to, you know, curate events that um, can be for other groups of people, but then expose others to something new, and then they'll walk away saying, "Man, you know, that was really that was neat. I like something new now." Um, yeah, is so. that usually is that usually how it's received? I guess with your community of folks that come to these things. Uh, I would say so. Yes. Um, you know, not everyone may like hip hop or (laughs) appreciate it. Um, but you know, even if they don't, or even if they, you know, aren't really into, you know, bluegrass, um, you know, you can walk away knowing that you've seen something positive, uh, and just having that experience, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think, uh, it's, it's been an amazing experience. People say like great things about it and, you know, I have great things to say about just a lot of other venues. Um, speaking of which your t-shirt. Yeah. Um, that I think is from, was he one of the co-owners of the garage? He was the, I guess, sole owner at the oh, end really? okay. of the garage. Cause I remember seeing like that sticker or t-shirt around the time that, it was shutting down mm-hmm. and that might have been the first place I saw you at. Cause I think you had a female vocalist accompany you. Yeah. And I can't remember her name. Molly uh, Grace probably. Pr- yeah. Yeah. I swear. I think I saw you there, but man, that was like a few years ago. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how long it's actually been since the garage mm-hmm. closed. Was uh, that one of your favorite oh, certain spots? Certainly. I mean, Muddy, back then also Muddy Creek oh, was yeah, yeah. Uh, off on the outskirts mm-hmm. in Bethania. Oh, I love that place. It was awesome. I really love that place too. Mm-hmm. And that was more probably, that place I think was more designed for my kind of music mm-hmm. where the garage in its origin was more for, I think, designed for rockabilly mm-hmm. and then became everything. Mm-hmm. And it was great for rock shows. Um, and I loved playing the garage, though I don't, like, I think what I've heard through the grapevine was that a, a criticism or whatever of that time period was that, um, people felt like the songwriter or Americana stuff was maybe too prominent in Winston and like that there weren't enough hard shows, hardcore shows, rock shows or whatever. Well, now you have the Monstercade. Now you got Monstercade (laughs) and that's like basically, uh, apparently a Monstercade is like no, no like vanilla songwriters allowed or whatever. Um, so that's cool, but <laughs> so the, I guess the table's kind of turned. Muddy Creek is no more here, at least at the moment, and uh, yeah. So the garage, the garage closed down, but the garage, I would, I would say Muddy Creek, I played like maybe once a quarter, yep. whereas the garage, I played very often, and it was kind of home for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and so this shirt, I believe, was from the like, what was it? Uh, I don't want, I don't think it was the last one. I think it was like I played two, I think, uh, two uh, New Year's Eve shows with the Genuine there. Oh, yeah. I'm, I was probably at one of those. Yeah. Yeah. And I think both. this yeah. was front, like they, they produced these and put them out and put those stickers out all over the place. Oh, nice. And then I also played the last one in 2016, I guess it was. Or was it from, I don't know if it was 2016 into 17 or 15 into 16, but it was one of those. I've, I might have been in that. Was did the collection perform at the last New Year's Eve event? I can't remember, but not the. Um, I'm trying to think, 
who was it? I believe it was not the collection. I believe okay. it was maybe Victoria, Victoria and companion okay. and me and the genuine. I think that might be what it was. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh man. She, Tori is like phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, she and Maya Camille have like, I mean, in my opinion, some of the best, uh, female vocals in, in the state. Like it, they're pretty amazing. So, oh yeah, they're great. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, it's, kind of amazing to see like it looks like uh it looks like from a distance that they're really finding a place to be you know oh yeah on the road yeah. and stuff it's it's cool seeing the places like they're touring with charlie hunter and you know how i guess it seems he's i'm not sure taking them under his wing to some degree and then uh, i know he's got his label side hustle and he's put marit side on that too doing bolero music and so i really you know commend like them for like you know seeking out new stuff genres and it's awesome it feels like a lot of people who stayed the course or even didn't and just got back on the course or i don't know what but it feels like it feels interesting it just feels like a lot of people who are now sort of seasoned musicians are finding their spot their lane Mm -hmm. and their reaching new levels of success. And I'm seeing this among a lot of my friends. Oh, like, uh, like who, who should I reach out to? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who you should reach out to. I, I, I'm not sure, but you might as well try, uh, Caleb Cottle and see if he's, oh, for yeah. It. yeah, I don't know. If <laughs> yeah. That, it's, before. yeah, it, it seems like he's gotten more known, which is awesome. Cause I think, didn't he play at the garage once too, or maybe the muddy Creek, Oh, he, I mean, he played at the garage many, many times. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. I've never seen him live. I need to. Yeah. Uh, So. He's an old friend of mine. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he was playing the garage like back when he was too young to play the garage. Like Mm -hmm. he was, and he's just always been very determined Mm -hmm. to reach a place, you know, in music. And it just seems like he's gotten himself into a groove. Uh, Tori's got into a groove. Um, And, you know, then like people like Mason have Mm -hmm. found themselves in a, whole different world and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so yeah, it's just, I don't know. It just seems like a lot of people stayed the course and found some traction, I yeah. guess, in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's cool. We're, we're blessed to be in a state like this. I think North Carolina is great for, um, you know, art and everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, as opposed to, I mean, you know, not to take shots at other states and stuff, but you know, uh, I'm sure it will be harder in the Midwest uh, for artists. So. Midwest, yes. <laughs> it's. I've been very fascinated uh, lately. I've been doing a lot of research mm-hmm. about this. About like, I've just been looking up stuff like mm-hmm. good cities for working musicians to be in, mm-hmm. good cities for clubs, like all this sort of just like learning about markets, learning mm-hmm. about where people live and stuff. And a lot of the stuff on the top of the list is like based on how many clubs there are Mm -hmm. or opportunities to make income compared to the population and North Carolina ranks pretty poorly among other places other markets that are good include like Seattle Washington Mm -hmm. New York City is all in number one in like every metric Mm -hmm. Um, Austin is considered uh, high up there Mm -hmm. Uh, some places like Boston uh, Portland Mm -hmm. Raleigh is allegedly According to some lists in like the top 10 of, of music opportunities in the country. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I know there's some people uh, who are in the Boone music scene uh, that moved down there, like Chris McGinnis, Laura Dash, and 
um, I think Dylan Innes and some other people. So mm-hmm. I don't get out there as much because it's like two and a half hours from Wilkesboro. But yeah. it's cool. There are some awesome places out there for sure. Maybe I need to learn more about some of them. But I mean, like, obviously, I know the Triangle has some opportunity. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's but then there's like the whole there's the cost of living issue, I yeah. guess, because yeah. like with a lot of these things, you have to travel to play shows anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I find myself conflicted as to how to really properly think about this stuff. If you need to like live in a city where these opportunities are, mm-hmm. or if you just need to travel to a city where these opportunities are a lot. Uh, but it's, I, I feel like it's hard to network in a place like Raleigh or even, a, uh, I should say in a place like New York or Portland, or even a place like Raleigh, if you're not there all the time, mm-hmm. like meeting people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, being here, you're like almost in the middle of the state. So it's like, you know, you can shoot up to Roanoke, Virginia or go down to Charlotte or, you know, you're a little closer to Boone, Asheville. So, um, yeah, there's so many cool places around here. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So are you, um, doing a new tour or anything? Well, soon or just kind of doing like soon stuff I around would- here? I would say yes to soon, but so I, I recorded a new project and it was one concept and I kind of want to, I want to spend more time, I guess, in the studio being creative. I want to like, like I, I had this thing in my head that was like, well, maybe I can put out my new, my newest release, you know, by summer of 2023. And that'll be sort of, that'll be when I start kicking stuff off again and, Mm -hmm by this fall and next spring I'll be touring all the time or whatever. But instead of trying to rush it and finish it by August, I just wanted to spend more time in the studio Mm -hmm. and developing the vision further. So, uh, right now I think that 2024 is still looking like the year that, uh, that I expect to, to pick more things up and tour Mm -hmm. more regularly. Um, uh, but that, I guess that it was, that will depend on the conclusion of this recording project, mm-hmm. which I just, I just want to be careful not to rush more quickly than I should. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're trying to put out a masterpiece, you know, you want to, uh, make it sound like you want. You yeah. Know? I'm at least trying to put out like a, it's kind of like, it's thought of as like a debut in a way. It's thought of as like mm-hmm. kind of a fresh start and a, and a transition. Honestly, it's, it's, it's. I'm treating it like a transition into like the professional realm of music rather than the sort of low budget independent side that I've been in for so long. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of trying to shift to uh, a higher, a higher realm, I guess, of creation. Do you, that, that'll be cool to hear. Do you um have a label or genre for yourself? Because sometimes like when I, like if I'm trying to promote a show, and describe an artist, you know, it's like, well, if they're kind of acoustic rootsy, you know, I don't want to say folk and then say the wrong thing. And they're like, you know, and, uh, get flack for it, which no one's done that to me before at all. No, mm-hmm. no artist has ever said anything negative, but, um, you know, it's like, is it folk Americana? Is it alt country? You know, do you consider yourself one thing or a mixture of different genres? Um, yeah, there's a few different ways, I guess, that make sense to me or a few different things you could say about me that would, that would be easy that I feel like would make sense. 
I often will just talk, call myself a songwriter because I think that that gets across, that puts an idea in people's head yeah. that is kind of accurate, you know? Like, yeah. I want, this is not about the tradition mm-hmm. of bluegrass. It's not about the tradition of of Nashville or, mm-hmm. or whatever. This is about the words that I write. And so I think that's a pretty clear sort of value to put on it right off the get-go. Um, but beyond that, like genre associations, I personally have have found myself relating to the term Americana. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it's vague enough. It isn't quite so pigeonholed. It doesn't come with rules. Mm-hmm. I think of Americana, which I often do this. I like, I think of words as, as, as close to their root or their origin usually as I, as I can or something like that, or maybe their most common mm-hmm. use. And Americana, I think of in the same way that, people use it when they're talking about the world of antiques. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is like kind of a relic. Yeah, this is yeah. like it 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 could be a good decor. Like it's a it's something that is a part of American past. Like the pat like the past of America. Like this is an old mm-hmm. thing that used to exist. Mm-hmm. And I like that because the, like uh kind of like what 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 I've heard um what I've heard uh uh, Rick Rubin say about instrumentation like a gu- an acoustic guitar will sound like an acoustic guitar in a hundred years and it did a hundred mm-hmm. years ago and this is true about a piano and this is true about a banjo uh, I like the, the timelessness I guess of music of the music that I try to make and I like associating that with a word like Americana like this sort of spirit of the past Roots, I think, feels the same way as yeah, that to me. Yeah, it's just like saying. cultural, mm-hmm. oh, heritage kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, um, I don't really fuck with alt country or, and I, I never actually use folk. I never, mm-hmm. I never say that about myself. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's not offensive, but mm-hmm. to me, it puts. I don't. I, tell me what you what it puts in your head. I guess, but to me, it puts in my head something like northeastern sort of, um, <laughs> like judgmental. Instead of it being sort of like a, like storytelling, like what we associate with Appalachian music, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. Appalachian is a term I would use as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. But maybe instead of that, it's more like, um, I think of folk as more like in the Woody Guthrie realm of like, there w- there is a lesson to be learned in this song <laughs> kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, what do you, what did your, how do you understand different genres of these, these very close together genres? Uh, it's really difficult to be honest. <laughs> like sometimes I don't know how to describe someone. You know, I'll, I'll say indie folk or uh, maybe alt country, um, like Charles Walker, Kevin Daniel, who've played at my place. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's hard to, in Americana, I don't even really, it's almost like I, I really don't know. It's know. like, well, you know, sound awesome playing an acoustic guitar uh it's not country um you know but it's not like hippie you know folksy music so i guess they're americana you know yeah um it's kind of annoying how many there are actually now that you think about it because alt country like what the hell is alt country it what is it i've always felt like it's um part of it might have to do with instrumentation uh like I don't know. It sounds maybe like some 
low-key rock-ish, but mm-hmm. you put in like a steel pedal guitar or something. Um, but maybe the vocals aren't, you know, like, I don't know, big-name country acts like, you know, Luke Bryan. You know, someone who sounds like that, I'm not going to say, oh, that's definitely all country. Uh, if their voice is like that, you know, it's mm-hmm. maybe a little more pulled back from... Pulled back. Like you're throwing in something else, like country and Americana, mm. uh, maybe is... I don't know, maybe what alt country is. I'm not sure. I saw a video the other day that looked, it really felt like country to me. It was just a clip of some band. I don't know who they were. Two lead singers. I think it said something like, wait for the breakdown. Mm-hmm. So it was it was kind of interesting to note it. It was kind of interesting to, to listen to because it had a breakdown like in sort of post-hardcore music or hardcore music. But it was like, it sounded like metal, but it sounded like, Southern rock. So it was like, it was almost like taking Southern rock into metal territory. Like, mm-hmm. or, or, and when, when I say metal, more like kind of, I guess I don't, I, I, I don't remember the distinctions too much, but maybe death metal, like the slower version of metal. That's more like that stuff. Yeah. It will bring me back to my middle school days. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard that and I th- thought, okay, maybe Southern rock, but kind of if, it was so country lyrically that I was like it. I could almost call that alt rock, but I mean alt country. Mm-hmm. But then again, I don't know what alt country usually is. Uh, like mm-hmm. I, hearing hearing you say it's pulled back is like the opposite of what I thought. And so yeah, that's, I, that's just like I don't know. I just thought of those two words in my head: pulled back. Yeah. I don't even think I don't even know what that is. It just sounded right. Sometimes so. when I hear alt country, I think of like Justin Towns Earl or Shooter Jennings or uh, even Steve Earl. Like, like a, I don't. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. These genres are just kind of silly at a certain point. I don't know. Uh, it's all good. Yeah, you know, it's like next arts I need to describe. They are neato, awesome, very cool. <laughs> we should make a visual representation of this and do surveys and try to figure out where they are. Cause yeah. At the yeah. top of it is just... Mm-hmm. <sighs> at the top of it is what I would call... There's a split between... the And this, this might get into some of the precursor stuff of what we were talking about before, mm-hmm. but I do think that there's a, there's a split between traditional music and sort of pre like music that's based in the present moment that would be considered like modern music. Mm-hmm. And I think that country is considered king of the traditional music for the everyman or whatever. And all these things are little apples hanging off of the branch, mm-hmm. you know, of country. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um and you could say that with um you know, even stuff like rock or what original rock was um and mixing it with pop or something uh but you know speaking of original country uh it it's interesting to see artists today who are uh really honing in on like traditional sounds Mm -hmm. and not deviating from that at all and i think um a concert i saw recently at the blue ridge music center galax virginia awesome spot Um, amazing to see like there's a venue right off the parkway Um, I caught Sierra Farrell and she's just in my mind one of the preeminent uh, individuals who's able to incorporate various traditional forms of roots music like uh, her gypsy jazz whatever you might call it Um, 
the 19, I don't know what, what decade, 1930s, like hobo style uh, music and then old school country. And like, she's shooting up to stardom and is not, you know, going mainstream at all whatsoever. Yeah. I think that should be a light for other artists. Um, And also lyrically, she's not caving in to like, you know, sing about random wacky stuff that like doesn't matter. I'm Mm -hmm. being vague (laughs) purposely, (laughs) but you know, I admire her for, um, and there are plenty of artists who do that too, but I think I really admire her for doing what she does and, uh, in her artistry. I do too, but also notice something interesting going on. She's for me, an exception to a pattern in a way, or I don't know if she's an exception. I don't know if she's an exception. She is in the same family, I think, as like Coulter Wall. I really like Coulter Wall, and I think both of them are just like super talented. Either of them, I just like think they deserve success. I don't, there's nothing about any of like their art that I would change, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so so I hate to, I'm coming close to like associating them with something else, but I also notice that there is a, there seems to be a, like a pattern of retroism within the country Western thing where they're really bringing the Western part of country back out. Yeah, I see, I see what you mean. Yeah. And like some of what I just come across in like the, the social media world, it's not like these people aren't coming to Blue Ridge Music Center and like playing shows and it's not like a threat, but I'll see it on like Western AF or Honky Tonk, whatever, YouTube channel or whatever. I'll see these artists pop up and they're just like, I don't have the same experience as when I watch Sierra. I have an experience that's sort of like, oh, you're bringing the Western thing back and I am not enjoying this. Like you're, you're... there's something about Sierra, the way that she does it and the way that Coulter does it, that feels very, I guess, like true and, mm-hmm. and yeah. embraced by their just like, this is something I like. And I think I get the sense that some people are doing it out of seeing it as this is what is gaining popularity in the in this scene. I, I see, yeah, the point you're trying to make. Uh, yeah, I mean, some people are going to be better at than others. I, I don't know. I, I'm glad... Uh, people are trying to keep it alive but Sierra has something different I think vocally her vocals just stand out like I mean it's she's a phenomenal artist and stage presence too like I mean she's you know humble and you know uh a really she just seems I don't know her personally but I mean she just seems cool so yeah it um, can't take much away from her man she's she's definitely a phenomenon mm-hmm. and uh very interesting mm-hmm. you know i uh yeah i kind of keep an eye on what she does i've also been noticing like there every once in a while she has a moment where i'm like i wonder what's going on here because mm-hmm. it seems like touring has been wearing on her pretty hard and relationships with fans or something like the social media aspect mm-hmm. of it people getting mad that she canceled some shows yeah that kind of, you know what that kind of annoyed me that people like got mad at her for that when it's like you know sure i if i'd been in their position i would have preferred to go to her show but it's like bro like chill you know you could probably go to another one yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> but i'm sure you know 
I would think for a lot of artists, it can be difficult. You know, I, I think I've heard from um, one of my uh, musician friends, uh, you know, like they were just grinding and doing a lot, so many shows, and they just felt the need to scale back a little bit. Uh, yeah, which I don't know so. why more don't do. Like, I know a few artists that have found themselves in positions where they're just like, oh, I'm doing way too much. Mm -hmm. And I mean, maybe it's just the money aspect or maybe mm -hmm. it's just the the drive to, you know, reach mm -hmm. success or whatever. But I, I love mental health, man. I love like, <laughs> I love having space. And I think, uh, you know, your average person probably likes having some distance from work. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes yes. surprising to yes. see, <laughs> you know, how much people are able to exhaust themselves mm -hmm. doing, doing their job. Yeah. yeah. And I guess maybe if you as an artist think like, oh, if I do less shows, there won't be consistency. I don't know. Maybe that's how you feel. But I think, you know, artists could still have consistency without having to overdo themselves. Maybe, you know, yeah. you don't have to do late nights every weekend. But I mean, I know that's the nature of <laughs> the, the game at times, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I'm just a house venue person i can't really speak to <laughs> the full experience so. the pressure on her <laughs> is different because she yeah. she's got a label behind her she's mm -hmm. got you know uh she's got a significant team behind her mm -hmm. and like it all involves mm -hmm. serious financial figures it's mm -hmm. not the same as yeah. somebody like me who just, oh yeah 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 whatever it obviously is a much more complex operation but i just uh i mean that that is honestly part of what has ruined some of my uh, aspirations and, and my relationship with my career is just mm -hmm. this belief that artists like it's worth it to live a super unhealthy lifestyle and to run your like burn yourself mm -hmm. burn the candle at both ends and like kill yourself trying to oh, yeah. trying to reach success i just don't i like ambition man mm -hmm. i like striving for a big dream mm -hmm. but i don't like unhealthy imbalance you know, I, mm -hmm. I just think that's worth avoiding. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you, you have to have balance, even with, like you said, everyday work. It's, uh, you know, I have to do the same. Uh, unhealthy habits, staying up late. <laughs> Bad idea. Bad mm. idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Getting sleep is good. <laughs> Exercising yes. is good. Yes. Well, I'm glad this is turning into a good therapy session. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, yes. <laughs> that is what this is a lot of the time. <laughs> I've had a few artists after we get done, they're like, damn, man, like, I feel like I should have paid you for that. Because <laughs> it turns into like this, this sort of, I don't know, it feels like a therapy yeah. session sometimes. That's what, it's funny you say that. My uh, Kevin Daniel, when he performed at my place uh, this past spring um, with his full band uh he he i think it said at one point during the show well this has been a good therapy session because <laughs> i think when you're um in the house series vibe i think i've noticed some artists appreciate having an audience who listens yeah um and you know they're not getting wasted drunk everywhere <laughs> you know and granted you know some people at my place walk around and enjoy chatting chilling on the porch you know which I love uh but I, I think you know some artists maybe I could be wrong appreciate a smaller crowd who's attentive rather than maybe a big um uh brewery venue and 
you know, which brewery venues are good. I think they have helped during the pandemic and wineries too, when a lot of stuff was shut down, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, wineries I've noticed can make a good ambiance. Uh, whereas breweries, I have a little bit of a challenged relationship with them, but, mm-hmm. but I agree with what you're saying. And I think the, the important word is, uh, like I think in house concerts, it's something like you're sometimes your performance is treated like it matters like it's important mm-hmm. or like it's worth paying attention to. Mm-hmm. And that's what's, mm-hmm. that's what we are all after so long. Some of the time, especially the more intimate performers. It's just like, I have written these things that matter and I, I don't want to perform them in places where I'm treated as though they don't matter. Mm-hmm. And like, they, they just are totally yeah. unimportant. So when you find yourself like that and there's an audience, that's just like, we're present with you. We're paying attention. Mm-hmm. We're looking at you. Uh, yeah, I that's like, it satisfies the thing that we want most, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I love doing that. Um, and I don't, oh, I don't want to discount any brewery venues and cool spots. You know, I, I love going to breweries for music. Uh, everything has its place, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, I, I love it when artists appreciate, you know, something more intimate, a cool vibe like that. So. I don't remember if we were connected. I think we were connected when I did this. I one time did a one of them like anonymous sort of ask me questions things on Instagram. Somebody asked me specifically, like, why don't you play breweries? And and so I hate to I I wouldn't want to come across like disparaging breweries Mm -hmm. either. When I get a picture in my head of what I think is great about music at breweries, one picture is like uh the the band of like 55 year old dudes who never really took music seriously but they love doing it and they still want to do it and so they do it at this place where it's social and they like do it to do it with their friends and they have a great time doing it and they learn new songs and whatever they're like and they don't call themselves professional you know that's one picture I have in my head. And the other picture I get in my head is like when I used to go up to Asheville and there'd be old time bands playing mm-hmm. in circles. And it was like young people, old people, it was people, all sorts of people doing a very communal, very traditional mm-hmm. version of like music in the pub kind of thing. And I love that. Both of those examples, I think, are valuable. Mm-hmm. I think uh, young musicians starting out with some of their early, early gigs play in those rooms are valuable. Um, but I think that we just have an economic problem within all this stuff because like it, the scale is very difficult for the people who are in the middle between like trying to create a, a professional product and trying mm-hmm. to get away from non-professional venues or whatever. Somebody who's like somebody who can't sell worth of tickets, Mm -hmm. they're in a hard position because like if they go sell a hundred tickets, they might make, or if they go sell 50 or 80 tickets or Mm -hmm. whatever, they might make like $80, $120 from a venue that has to, has to, you know, take it, take out part of the door for Mm -hmm. their own self. Whereas if they just go play a brewery and have a worse performance, worse experience, they deliver their music in sort of a less professional Mm -hmm. way. They can make far more money doing that. So it's just, 
for that person who isn't selling enough tickets to make more than they would in a brewery, that's kind of a hard position to be in, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I see what you mean. Um, uh, and if you think about it, you know, there's probably more breweries around than a lot of like actual, what you would call true music venues, places focused solely on that. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I, I understand for, that's probably a struggle for some artists, I would imagine, you know, wanting to have people focus on listening more, uh, which, I mean, you could totally still listen at a brewery. I've seen some great shows. Uh, um, like Wise Man had, um, I think, the collection at one point, and they've had some great reggae bands. It's like a fun, awesome time. Um, but I know like when you're in maybe a building that has, um, is just the aesthetics and everything is just focused solely on like one stage and stuff. It's like easier to, uh, give that craft, uh, and product to everyone. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Something like, like with the collection, the collection are able to come into an environment and totally overpower it. You know, that's just part of how they've thought about what they do. And they can they can walk on a big ass uh, festival stage and overpower the audience with sound. They can walk into Wise Man and sort of overpower the room with sound. And that's they have a lot of pieces to do that. It's a little harder for somebody who's like, especially for solo songwriters or like small bands. Yeah, I, I think a lot of a lot of breweries are like big. So yeah. it might not be the best place for songwriters, but you know, then there are people like me, you know, I would totally enjoy seeing a song, a good songwriter at a brewery or anywhere, you know, pretty much. It doesn't have to be at some intimate music spot, like the Evening Muse in Charlotte, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. where, which, where I saw Sierra Farrell in 2019, uh, before she like blew up. Um, but yeah, there, I've seen some other cool people, uh, mm. you know, around, uh, so yeah. Yeah, I used to play the Muse some. I'm hoping to get. Oh, back that's out there. awesome! I love that's like one of my all time favorite yeah. places in North Carolina. Um, yeah, man, I love. I it love there. it. Uh, they're nice people uh, working over there. So, yeah. Mm. Hmm, what What <laughs> next? What question shall we ask next? <laughs> I want to share this idea that because I really just want to talk about this while it's fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there have been a lot of, throughout my whole life, there's been a lot of conversations about, there's like this this fight for different attitudes to control art and the way that it is perceived and received and all these things. And I guess I just, since it's, it's honestly just really a part of my day, it's a part of my mind right now um, to be thinking about this, and I just wanted to put it on the table. Um, just the idea that... The, you know, some people feel as though art is very dangerous and that it has to be handled with like great care and people need to be protected from it. And then, you know, as we've been kind of talking about in many cases, it's a lot more of this, like this really is a sincere attempt for me to express something that I'm, that I, that I felt passionate enough to like access creativity with. And then to see that get all messed up with different people's views is, um, is interesting and sometimes burdensome. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's tiring or whatever. Um, all that, I guess if I can repackage some of that as a question, um, 
what it's getting deep yeah getting deep here <laughs> what do you uh how should i ask it as a question ask it how tyler nail would ask it as a question <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about the idea of censorship within art within the realm of art Ooh, it's that's a very very broad question um I, I'm, gr- well, I'll say this. I'm grateful that we all live in a country where it does not have to be censored, um, where people have the freedom of choice to produce what they want when it comes to art and music. But at the same time, I think that it's, I feel if it's incumbent on the artist or other people, uh, producing it that you know it should never be inherently negative and by that i mean like not of course like oh not talking about sad topics that's not what i mean at all i mean something inherently morally deprecating or like you know uh truly persecutory uh of other people uh in my opinion, as long as, as long as it's not within those realms, then I don't see why, uh, it should not be produced. Um, and that's extremely vague and very broad in my answer, Nothing but wrong with that. that, um, and I know that that could cover uh, a wide range of people's, uh, moral compasses, but you know, that's how I feel about it. And, and, you know, we're all human. And so, we will have a different perception of things as other people might, but we can also be wrong about our perceptions, you know? And I think it's good to, uh, when viewing art or songs and things, uh, you know, maybe you're along the lines of, you know, whether someone's offended or not, whatever. Um, It's good to, from an attorney perspective, it's good to view it as a judge, you know, seeing both sides. Is this really one way or the other? Is it a mixture of both or not? Um, you know, what is the true uh, meaning of it? Yeah. So, and sometimes there may be no meaning. <laughs> That's the problem. So. And the idea of the judge is is even still, like, because I guess with the judge, you have law, right? And law ultimately is what is like the... Oh, well, yeah. So that sounds like censorship. Yeah, so like <laughs> then with, with the... Yeah. Basically, you have a judge or you have you have, a ter- you have a, the, the judge who is able, if, if the judge is actually a part of it rather than, say, a jury, you know, um, you've got somebody interpreting a problem up against the law and assessing is this against the law, you know, kind of that's Mm -hmm. what the conversation is about as it relates to law within music. We've done our best to make sure that there was very little law. Of course there, there's certain exceptions, but uh, with, especially with like recorded music or Mm -hmm. produced music or written music in this country, there's very few limitations there. Um, Mm -hmm. The only exceptions that come to mind are like certain things that the FDA won't let you say, or the F, sorry, the, uh, F, the radio, the SCC, or... what are they called? <laughs> Whatever branch it is, there are certain restrictions, you know, but they're pretty hard to reach. And, uh, so anyway, mm-hmm. that's kind of 
that's one subject, but the like the ultimate thing for me is this, I think. The reason this bothers me and the reason that I started talking about I don't know. The re- the what what gets me to the point where I'll actually engage in conversations about this stuff is when I notice that people who are really passionate about like art and music, even creators will start to turn on other creators, forgetting Mm -hmm. the principles that protect us all. Mm -hmm. So like when I see, if my grandma got mad at a rap song, that wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) And I wouldn't like, (laughs) I wouldn't like spend time being like, now hold on and trying to convince (laughs) her of something different. Because her principles are way different. Her principles are like, Mm Christianity is like all that guides the way I view things. And so like if there's something that she detects is outside of Christian your, your average Christian moral value system or whatever, she's going to reject it and that's going to be very simple for her. What I notice is a conflict where people claim to like sort of love bravery within the arts and love free speech, love free expression, love culture, love all mm-hmm. this stuff that artists do. But then, and also feel camaraderie as other artists, like Mm -hmm. other artists are are looking at that and kind of rewarding bravery. Mm -hmm. But then when there's somebody who uses all of those things, uses all those tools in the toolbox, but expresses something different than what they like, then they will turn on that person. And that's that's what I don't like, is that people are uh, choosing, I guess, the, the message of the outcome or the association above the principle that guides the creation of art in the first place mm-hmm. that I find really disheartening because I don't, I don't want any ideological restrictions between me and a person when they're assessing what I do is at least when they're, when they're telling me that they're a music lover mm-hmm. or they're telling me they're an artist, I want to remove ideological boundaries, I guess that would make them feel like, Oh, well you shouldn't, you shouldn't say that word. You shouldn't talk about that in a song or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I, I get that. Um, it's that. That's man. That's deep. That's like a hard like situation because you know you you don't want to overstep bounds, I guess. Um, but I think people can be too up in arms about something at times when maybe it's not as bad or it's important for people to see both sides of a situation, I guess. Um, and you know, I don't, I'll say this. I don't want to sound hypocritical because with my music series at key city, you could say to some degree, maybe I censor Mm -hmm. because I sometimes let artists know, Hey, I'd like to keep things PG just in case maybe a parent decides to bring a kid or something, um, you know, or I like to avoid, you know, certain, you know, keeping it PG and avoid, you know, sacrilegious material. And because uh, I find it to be kind of inclusive, really, Mm. even though that maybe to some people might seem like censorship, I think, you know, it's actually being inclusive when you consider um, the communities you live in. You know, I think you could push more people away uh, if, you know, at like a simple house relaxed venue, 
if there's like a bunch of cursing and you know you're saying some like sacrilegious word or blasphemy you you know because i think it's maybe easy for certain people to do and so you know i i don't have like some big moral spiel to artists when i discuss that but it's just you know hey this is why i like for my series you know and um because i don't think most people go to concerts thinking man i hope they say the f word a ton (laughs) and I hate religion, so I really want them to talk about that. And so, like, if it's just not there at all, then, you know, there's no harm, no foul, and, you know, more people can feel comfortable. And so I'm, I'm going to let put that out in the open. Yeah. So maybe it sounds like censorship to some people, but that's, that's what I uh, seek uh, in my shows. But, um, and like you said with your grandma, you know, she with her uh, Christian ideals, you know, probably reminds me of my, my own grandma, uh, uh, bless her soul, you know, she's passed on, um, mm. but yeah, I haven't, I haven't censored some of my own music, like, this might sound weird, it might sound weird as like a almost 35-year-old guy, but, you know, I'll um, download uh some hip hop songs or rap songs. Like I got into Kodak black recently. <laughs> like I, I, I bump his stuff quite a bit, but you know, when I can, I honestly, uh, try to get the censored versions mm. because, uh, I don't know if I'm thinking too much, but you know, if I'm like driving through town, um, with the windows rolled down, you know, I want to bump it without like some parent being mad at me cause their kid, Mm. heard something so for me it makes me feel more comfortable yeah i guess Um, oh yeah we are we have (laughs) opposite natures in that way which which like the the thing that i like about the distinction you just made is like there's something important about house rules and like i like Mm -hmm. that i think that's a simple Mm -hmm. yeah like that could be a simple rule to remember Mm -hmm. maybe so like when when you're the person responsible for figuring a thing out like Mm -hmm. when i'm playing your music Mm -hmm. series it's your music series, and I, I think I can mm-hmm. be humble enough in that instance to to set aside whatever, to set aside any songs that I might have that have certain words in them. I can set those words aside and and fit the vibe that you're creating. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to my album, or like even when you come mm-hmm. on the podcast, it's like I am I am me in this yeah. situation, mm-hmm. and you know, and you're willing to share that space with me. Mm-hmm. And so there's something about letting people be who they are in the appropriate space. Mm-hmm. And I think that should apply also to like recorded music, to mm-hmm. to writing music, whatever. Like mm-hmm. when some artist works on the album that they're going to put out, that's their call. They get yeah. to decide yeah. what yeah. is yep. going to go on. That there. is 100% true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's, hey, hey, buddy. <laughs> Marb, oh my God. Marble. Oh, so sweet. Marble, what are you doing? <laughs> Get out, babe. Showing love, showing love. Um, showing love, which, that is a good point, I think, going back to what you were saying um, about artists getting upset maybe at one another for having maybe a viewpoint or perspective on certain things. I mean, I think it's good to maybe before speaking out against one another whether it's on social media or in person to do it by in a loving way to be to think about one's words before 
you know, you definitively uh, feel a certain way, you know, and I think it's easy for certain people to not do that, Mm. Um, which not saying like I'm some moral beacon or anything, but, you know, uh, beacon for morality, but, you know, uh, I think it's, it's good to, you know, we all got to show a little more love, just like that little doge over there. (laughs) Well, you know, hey, babe. It's like, I don't expect, I don't expect everybody to be just constantly accommodating to everything. Oh, yeah. Because there's certain things, but like, what I, I get grossed out when what I see is Wasabi. I am totally grossed out by Wasabi. (laughs) I cannot stand it. It makes me gag. I like it, actually. That's um, crazy. It's disgusting. We can't be friends now. No. (laughs) No, you know, um, it's like the way that people will kind of interpret a situation is like, well, I, this is my morality. Like, they'll go on the news. Like, they'll go on the news and be interviewed like, this is what someone else did. This is my morality. This is what they should have done. And this is the ideological lens through which I see this situation. Mm And it just so happens that that person's ideological lens matches the news program that they're on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are we doing that? Like, we're, we're, it's like the theater production would make your average person believe that this is just objective mm-hmm. opinions being shared from person to person. But like, no, no, this program picks a person who agrees with them so that that person can come on and make this other person sound like an immoral person based on that belief system. And we do that all the time. And like I'm I saw I saw one songwriter do that to another songwriter today on on the news. I saw like a clip of of one going on a program mm-hmm. and being like, "Well, I represent our ideology mm-hmm. and uh for that reason, I think this guy is a piece of shit." <laughs> and and, and, and I see that, and I'm just like, I think that's friggin' gross, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think, I don't expect you to be like, everybody's equal, every thought is equal, everything is okay, but I think that there is a version of understanding that you're not in control of other people's beliefs. Mm-hmm. You don't get to decide what other people believe, you don't get to decide their morality for them, and in fact, like, their relationship with that stuff is kind of sacred in a way, you know, and I think... Uh, that's what I hate about this stuff most is just when people, when people confuse that their morality is so figured out that they can project it onto other people. I don't like that. Yeah. And I think, uh, Ooh, this is getting really philosophical. This is, uh, not even music at all. We should go, we should go teach a philosophy class (laughs) over at one of the colleges here or something. Uh, but, um, no, uh, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Um, but, you know, on on morality, not like I'm the one to really be talking about it, but, you know, I think some things are truly wrong and others not. But yeah. um, it makes me think of an example. Um, I uh, went to the, the church I go to, had a visiting preacher, super cool dude, super chill dude, um, like registered independent guy. Um, and one thing he said... Um, I don't recall what the whole lesson was about, but he uh, said, you know, that our country should 
or people in it should not support this notion of like um, Christian nationalism. Mm. I said, wow, this dude actually said that from the pulpit. And then on the flip side, you know, I'm at a brewery in Winston one day where they're doing like maybe trivia and one of the people leading it um, had on some shirt that said something about like, I don't believe that book or fake book or some, some like anti, arguably anti-Christian stuff. And it's like, well, you know, if you hate it that much, why do you wear a shirt about it? Don't, that's not being very, you know, that's kind of turning people away, mm-hmm. you know, like if, if you don't agree with something like why, why would you like advertise something that's arguably hateful? And I think, uh, there are people on both ends of the spectrum you know, far ends of the spectrum, let me rephrase that, who uh, in in various sectors of society and life are espousing that hatred. And both are morally wrong because <laughs> there is a morality in that uh, t- because it's uh, persecutory, uh, I believe. I think, so. I mean, I think that taps into the principle thing, which is like, if we're not, if, if the principle that we're trying to get to is don't persecute people like out outrightly based on what they believe, like let your differences in belief be minor compared to your mm-hmm. respect for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we have to be striving for. And it, it's, it feels as though we've gotten away from that pretty hardcore. Like it's very normal mm-hmm. to really think it's cool to, um, I'm frankly, it's just, it's very normal to, to think it's cool to like, um, pit yourself against conservatives or what's called like MAGA Republicans. And it's very cool to, for the, on, on that side to pit yourself against the, the most yeah. cliche examples one might give of some kind of liberal, some harsher yeah. version of saying mm-hmm. the word liberal, you know, or, um, it's just normal. It's just accepted. Now the religion one too, man, I did that for so long. I was like mm-hmm. so anti-Christian for so long, which was like, an embarrassing thing to remember now. Um, mm-hmm. Are you you're a Christian? I take it. I am not. Uh, to be open and honest, I am not a baptized Christian. I'm still searching. I've grown up uh, my whole life in it, uh, and I'm grateful for for that. I'm grateful for that uh, being in uh, or being able to go to uh, the church I go to that my parents go to. Um, they've been uh, people have been good examples. Uh, in demonstrating the text as it should, I believe, but uh, I am still searching within that yeah. uh, because, uh, I don't know, maybe it's, uh, you know, I, w- I want to make sure this is what I fully believe because that's like a massive decision. It's like, you know, if you get married, you know, you're supposed to stay with that person forever. That's a massive decision. <laughs> 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 so, you know, like... I don't take it, uh, to make that decision, I would not take lightly. And so I think, Ooh, man, we're getting deep, bro. This is, this is a therapy session at this point. But yeah, I've, a a lot of my life, I, I've not had priorities straight. And it's like, finally, I feel like, uh, I I think college got in the way, you know, because of party lifestyle and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but finally, I, I've felt more recently like, you know, we're not just here, you know, <laughs> and that's it, I think. And so it, it like sparked a little more interest in me to uh, research more 
and stuff. So yeah, um, going down a rabbit hole here. I don't know if I am. Maybe uh, I'm not. But no, I am not. I have to be. I will be honest and say I am not uh, Christian as the uh, it would be put. But I uh, believe that it's something to be uh, respected. Uh, as you know, um, it's good to respect other people. No know. one has ever given an answer based on the the public profession of baptism before. I've never <laughs> occurred. I've never experienced that. Before. Really? Yeah. Oh well, you know, it's. I should have rephrased that. It's not just that. Uh, it's it's it, a combination. Wrong with that. Nothing no, wrong. I no. I'm glad you pointed that out. I, I'm glad. Uh, I need to rephrase that. Uh, it's. I, I believe it's a mixture. Uh, of of things like of of um, having believing that faith uh, as you know someone who's maybe uh, Jewish Muslim or Buddhist you know I think if if you f- call yourself something you should uh, I would think believe and have faith in it so mm. I think it's a combination of believing and having that faith and being baptized and. Because, I mean, I've seen the Bible, I haven't read it from the beginning to end, but that's what it says, so, I mean, uh, and, you know. Yeah, so, I, I feel you completely. Yeah. Um, you know, when we, were, when we were talking about story earlier, mm-hmm. and I kind of like hit a, hit a wall, it was because I was thinking about Bible stories mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, and thinking about the value of Bible stories, and, and I think uh, maybe... I don't know what I'm about to say, but <laughs> there is something beautiful about art and about stories and about like the use of language mm-hmm. and the way that it carries us through these these difficult things to negotiate. Mm-hmm. And uh, just along with all this stuff, like there's this cynicism about story. And I guess, like, in a distant roundabout way, there's something weird that I'm about to say that's something like, I think the same cynicism that is occurring toward some challenging versions of art mm-hmm. is the same cynicism that is pointed at, like, Christianity and the stories therein. And, like, part of how that works, I think, is this super rational analysis that takes place toward Bible stories where it's like, I I heard a video earlier with Bill Maher talking about the story of Jonah and like the whole time that the story of Jonah is sort of being told at, at face value, he's just kind of laughing at it and mocking it and stuff. I think I actually know what you're referring to. I think it's so weird. You said that. Did did you post that on your Facebook or something? No, that's weird. Is he was he talking to that? What's his name? Jordan Peterson. Yeah, I like just watched that recently. That's so weird. Yep. Yeah, Same I know one. What you're referring to. So well, you know, <laughs> he Peterson is like telling the story, and Mar is just like, yeah, whatever, nonsense, and kind of dismiss like dismissing it because it's on face because it's at face value, like. The dude gets on a boat. God has asked him to do something. He avoided it. He gets in trouble. Storm, whale, all that. And Bill Maher's more just fixated on like super surface level aspects of that story. And then 
But as soon as you kind of scratch down a little bit, mm-hmm. you realize like this beautiful usefulness, utility that this story has that is beyond beyond the surface, obviously. It is it's applicable to like lots and lots of situations and patterns in life, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, your conscience, yeah, you know, like you're if if you don't react to your the way he put it in, in his interpretation was something like it, you know, if you don't react to what your conscience is trying to communicate to you, then like your world will start to fall apart. You might get pulled down to the depths of hell, you know, like the the big monster that you didn't even know was there might get you all this stuff. Yeah. If you don't say the right thing, because I think the way the story, he did not go to, uh, God had directed him to go to a certain town, I think to uh, tell them they're, they're doing wrong. And he didn't, because he was nervous, and I, th- yeah, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Jordan may have said, like, like if you don't, like you said, according to your conscience, or if you don't say the right thing, do the right thing, you know, and I, it's easy in life to not, like, uh, I think maybe a lot of us can become nervous to even do or say the right thing, you know, um, like, even something simple, like maybe, oh, should I have held that door open for that person, <laughs> you know, walking in or, you know, just some simple things that uh, can come to mind. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting you say that uh, to have uh, an appreciation for it, because I think uh, a lot of people could, you know, who are anti-Bible or anti-Christian, you know, could say, uh, oh, yeah, that's just a bunch of bull, you know, <laughs> or something. <laughs> You yeah, know. simplify it down and mm-hmm. take the, well, take the mystery and the the beauty of the art out of it. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they take the essence out, and that is, in a way, like taking the principles out. And I guess to wrap it up, I I'm not Jonah, you know, but likewise, sometimes it's as much as I hate it, I have to I find myself put against my own community because I I find myself noticing that. All these people are like dogpiling artists and eating them alive. It's happened to a lot of artists that I've liked over the years in many different in many different mediums. And uh, I usually can keep quiet, but sometimes I just like I'm watching all this horrible communication take place on social media, and sometimes I just get tempted to participate and try to get people to balance out a little bit. You're um, you're brave, braver than I am. I would. Gosh, like I for me, it. I I would be too, like, you know, I'm too cautious and I don't like to get involved in things, you know, but, you know, then again, there's like a time and place to, uh, like the video you watch to do and say the right thing. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't like doing Whatever it that is. <laughs> at all. I hate doing it, but mm. I sometimes feel like I can't not. Um, and it's exactly that same analogy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I hate doing it cause I hate like I, there, there are more successful artists than me who avoid such things and who tell, like I've, I've had people tell me like, don't do stuff like that and don't give people a reason to not like you as an artist or whatever. But it kind of goes back to that old adage. It's like, I I'd rather be, I'd rather be hated for what I actually am than love for what I'm not or whatever. And there's something about watching the world and, and our 
artistic communities kind of devolve into something that I don't like that just makes me, I just can't, I just can't be, I can't pretend like I'm a part of the whole thing. I can't pretend like I'm cool with the way that we're talking about stuff because sometimes I'm just not, man. And, you know, you, you know, maybe this brings up a point like, you know, artists are still individuals and, you know, uh, you know, you're not using your music platform for some political idea you know a lot of artists don't but i think you know in an effort to maybe some artists feel like they have to be too careful not walking on eggshells when it comes to certain issues others don't they don't care at all but you know i think you still have to maintain yourself as a individual in person separate and apart from the stage artist and you know you should still feel allowed to uh you know say when something's wrong, even if, you know, you're concerned it might hurt an image, but, you know, uh, at the end of the day, um, it's not like you're, you know, directing some political ideals from the concert stage at the evening muse, you know, yeah, uh, totally different. Uh, I think on one end of the spectrum, you've got artists who are, they, they use art to upset. And that's mm-hmm. like Marilyn Manson, and that's like he served in like Eminem. And it's like, weird. You, it's crazy you brought him up too. You know what? I swear I was like thinking of him about like what we might talk about, mm. like in our conversation about music huh. I've listened to before, and he like should have. No, in my opinion, I feel like it was arguably a bad idea to make an album titled Antichrist Superstar because it's, I feel like it's pushing away an audience, you know, like why would you, for example, name an album something to do with Buddha that could maybe alienate people from another religious group, you know? But, you know, some of um, the musicianship and vocals, like I felt there was like true talent, but... I think people's talents can be used at times, unfortunately, to alienate crowds. And I think, you know, he did that to some degree. Um, and I think that's what some people do today. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I think, you know, even if there's an artist or person that we may not agree with their ideals um i i think we need to be careful to say that they're not talented you know because there could still be you know plenty of people out there creating things that you do not like or you do not agree with at all but it maybe took some talent to make it (laughs) but did i sorry if i really interjected but it was just weird you brought his name no that's fine that's fine yeah i mean ironic there's a there's a different conversation that can be had about that. There are like, like there's a different language that's not nuanced. Like what you just said, what you just said is really, I think what a lot of people, like a a lot of people sort of would have said in like 1998, Mm -hmm. if they, if they really, really took their time and thought about it or whatever, Mm -hmm. like that's the, 
it's kind of the balanced way to try to try to capture the problem of Marilyn Manson's music as it lies in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. What instead is often said or was said back in the day was just like, oh, it's like satanic music and like my kid ain't allowed to listen to it. Like that's the summary. And you could even argue that it is. And that's fine. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I would say it is anti-Christian and for that reason is not... Um, I, I, you know, don't agree with, you know, anti-Christian ideals, you know, but it, it doesn't mean that the raw guitar in some tracks or, you know, his vocals were not good. Right. You know. So there's that, which is like to acknowledge mm-hmm. some of the raw craftsmanship mm-hmm. that goes into it despite the message. Mm-hmm. And that's valid. Mm-hmm. But on the, on the, like assessing the value of it, some people will condemn it using the language of their worldview, I guess. And, and, and basically their worldview, I guess, dictates the, the way that it's described or something like that. Um, setting that aside for now, I guess, mm-hmm. to get to the, to the, to the other idea, I put Eminem and Marilyn Manson kind of on one side of the mm-hmm. spectrum. That's mm-hmm. like they use art, as a vehicle to upset people and to offend people and to bother people from their worldview. And that, that means their, their target audience is like, not that it's explicit, but their target audience becomes people who are willing to tolerate that, Mm -hmm. who are also willing to like laugh and mock at whoever it is that's insulted by it all, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, and not care, like just not care about that cost socially. And so you end up with a whole room full of people who don't care if those people are offended. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you've got something that's totally the opposite of that. Yeah. Something that is like, I don't even know what, something that's like um, Kenny Rogers, maybe. It's just like, there's nothing in there that could be offensive. There's nothing in there that could possibly bother anybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just the most banal sort of, version of expression that you could mm-hmm. imagine. And I guess I, I forget where we were, but I, <laughs> I, I find myself, I'm a little bit toward the Eminem thing. I'm like a little bit like, I believe that art when it upsets people is useful. I don't, I don't like the existence. I don't like finding myself. And I guess the existence where everything is just kind of, hunky dory and and like i feel like it's stale i feel like if we're not if there's no conflict in my life i feel stagnant and like i'm not i'm not engaging or whatever yeah i mean there's nothing in, i think inherently wrong with upsetting people for in my opinion the right reason right you know uh but it all comes down to you know big moral question from this discussion is what's right or what's wrong, Yeah, you know, and where does the censorship lie, you know? Uh, I mean, it's good to be in a country where, you know, you can say what you want without fear of being thrown in jail as you are in some places. Um, But at the same time, I think it's good to, you know, be mindful of, you know, what audience are you trying to attract? Uh, Are you intending to upset people and if so is it for the right reason or is it for a wrong reason Mm. you know uh because you could arguably upset a bunch of people for saying something that 
maybe morally correct, uh, but you could also upset a bunch of people for saying like, hey, uh, something against like Muhammad or Jesus or, you know, the Torah or Buddha. And, you know, like, is there really a purpose in, uh, is there a moral purpose in alienating people or, or not? You know, and, and if there's not, then like, you know, what's the purpose mm. <laughs> for, for own personal and financial gain or, you know, uh, yeah. So, man, these are some big life questions, sir. They, <laughs> You're going to write a song about this, huh? <laughs> this does happen sometimes. It gets a little, it, I, I mean, I, I like it to get a little more, uh, in this realm, mm-hmm. I suppose. But I think, yeah, we've pretty much, uh, we've kind of, I've kind of tapped out my time with you probably. Um, Ooh, hope I don't get canceled. <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> hopefully neither of us will. I mean, I didn't today, so <laughs> hopefully whatever, but, um, I am looking forward to our show. Oh, for in sure. September. For sure. I'm very stoked yeah. about that. So, oh yeah, uh, me too. I think it's going to be so interesting with two different roots genres and then a storyteller thrown in the middle. Uh, I think it'll be a great night. Um, and so these things are open to the public. Um, it, I do advertise it publicly. Um, it's still, you know, my private home, of yeah. course, so you vet uh, but, uh, to, to some, uh, degree. Yes. Uh, but I do invite, uh, any great and good person who can be respectful of my home to come. Cool. <laughs> so awesome. So yeah, that, that's how I see it. But, um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited. Like, I'll, I'll obviously share key city with, uh, with the audience on, oh, yeah, on yeah. red awesome. house. And then they should also be able to find it when, as the show approaches, I'll be promoting it, I guess, probably to my folks in Wilkesboro. So sweet, thank you. Uh, I'll, I'm going to be putting up posters soon. I saw your uh, the the red image. Yeah, your should new I send one. one with you? Um, I've got spares. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I might take one, and yeah, okay, I'll, cool. I'll be putting up posters around here, Wilkes, Boone, you know. Very so, cool. So yeah, yeah, man. Thanks All so right. much for having me. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you for the conversation. Yeah, for sure. All right then. Mm-hmm.